But it's such an honor to be in the house with you guys. Such an honor to be here with y'all. Uh, thank you, first and foremost, to the pastors of the house, Pastor Roe, Pastor Lisa, uh, for the opportunity to pour into you guys and, and um, release a word. Again, my beautiful, beautiful wife, Pastor Amarie, uh, hanging out over there with our kids. Y'all go ahead, man. She's the better half. That's right. Um, but I want us to get ready, man, and I, I want us to get our hearts prepared uh, to dig into what God is going to do tonight. Amen. Bible says that there was a man walk, there was a man sitting by the temple gate and Peter and John are walking and as he walked past them, uh, as they walked past him, he said, you know, he asked them for money, he asked them for something. He said, look at us. And the Bible says that they looked up at, he looked up at them expecting something. Peter and John, Peter of course says, silver and gold, I don't have money, brother. But what I have, I freely give, rise up and walk. And he received healing. He expected only pocket change that day. He was like that guy that walked up to you, was like, yo, can I borrow a quarter real quick? And you're wondering to yourself, sir, I don't know you. I don't think you're going to borrow this and give it back to me. I think you just want this quarter, right? But he says, can I just get a little bit of money? And the thing that he got was much greater than he expected. But he looked up at them expecting something. And tonight I want you to know that God is seeking an expectation from you. God cannot multiply anything to you if there is no expectation. How many of you are expecting God to do something tonight? Y'all are, y'all are. I need, how many of y'all are expecting God to do something tonight? Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles very quickly. I don't want to take too long. I'm super excited. I'm already long-winded, so I'm going to try to cut this down because don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I hope y'all got sleeping bags now. She, they, they done opened it up. It's a wrap. No. Uh, let's go in our Bibles very quickly to the book of Luke chapter 5. Hopefully you have your electronic. If you don't have the electronic, it's all good. They got it up here for y'all. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. And I want to just say I love Christmas songs. Like I really love, I love this season. As y'all can see, I came festive today. Right, I got my green on. I'm, I'm good. We had our holiday celebration, our Christmas celebration earlier today too. But it is a powerful time for us to celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is the moment that God took off all of his divinity and put on humanity so that you and I could take off our humanity and put on divinity. We celebrate him, amen? Hopefully I stalled enough for you to get to Luke chapter 5. If you have it, say amen. 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 The word of the Lord is read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said, amen. amen. Let's start in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. When God gives you a miracle, it ain't just for you, it's for your friends too. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you, Lord, for the, the meal that you have prepared for us as it is precious. I ask in Jesus' name that our hearts are open and ready to receive that word. That it be planted deep in our hearts, Father God, and like the seed that you call it, Father, that it would take deep root in our hearts. Let it not be ruined or taken by the enemy, but let it take deep root and produce much fruit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen and amen. I love this particular passage. It's just, it's a lot of fun for me because it shows the fact that, number one, when Jesus Christ rocks a miracle and he does miracles, and this really isn't listed as one of the miracles that Jesus did, but clearly we know this was a miracle, right? Uh, they fished at night for a particular purpose and they cleaned their nets in the morning because you weren't really going to catch much during the day. So Jesus in this moment says, launch out to the deep, right? Out to the deep for a catch. And they let their nets down. And I love this because many times we, we sort of focus on Jesus as, as, well, I gotta, it's all about church and morals and all of this stuff. And, and we think about all of those things, but we never really realize that these men were fishermen. Oddly enough, Jesus stepped into their boat and multiplied their business in one day. Because Jesus isn't simply a Jesus that is concerned with your moral standing. Jesus is a Jesus that is concerned with every area of your life. So Jesus takes this. What did I do? Something bad? Is I, what did I, everybody just ran? I'm like, does my breath stink? Is it, do I need mint? Let me Altoids or something. Man. All right. <laughs> the music just stopped. Okay. And Jesus, Jesus has this moment with Peter. But what's powerful about this moment is this is, of course, when we start seeing throughout the other text, this is where Jesus begins to call his disciples. And it's why I love this, this title of the, the series, Call to Freedom, because the reality is Jesus wasn't just calling disciples just to call disciples. Like, I, I want you to understand this process. Jesus wasn't just calling people to call people like, I want to tell you a few things. Check this out. No, no, no. Jesus understood my time here is limited. I have something that I need to do. But before I go, I need to teach you everything that I have because you need to understand you will be free when I'm done with what I teach you. Pastor, what do you mean he was calling them to freedom? I love this. Jesus begins preaching this word. If you look at the verses before, Jesus begins preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And a lot of times what we've done in Western church and church culture, and we've said that repent is about leave, stop sinning, repent, for otherwise the God will send hell fire on you. And the word repent literally means to turn around and go the other way. It means to change the way you think, change the way you act. In reality, Jesus was going to the Hebrew culture and he was saying, my covenant was given to you, but you thought about my covenant the wrong way for thousands of years. Change your mind and change how you live out my word. And in order to do that, I need some disciples. Let me explain discipleship to you because when we talk about discipleship in church today, right, we have, we have like, hey guys, we're going to do discipleship. And so we go to church like to Sunday school sometimes, right? It's usually like an hour and a half, maybe an hour, 45 minutes if you're one of those churches that like to do it quick, right? And we're like, hey, we're going to teach you about the word of God. And, and, and that's discipleship. You get a little certificate. You passed discipleship class. Yay. A disciple was not someone who 
took an hour or two a week. See, what a disciple was, and, and, and this is important because this is where I'm going. I'm setting the stage so that you understand the process that Jesus was laying out for all of us. When a person was a disciple, a disciple left everything and spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week with their teacher. Why? Because the disciples' job was to fully understand the teachings of their teacher so that they would, they would recognize not only what the teacher said, but how the teacher lived. So that when the teacher rose up in the morning, they would see, is the teacher living the principles that they're teaching me? When they would go and have lunch, they would see, is the teacher eating according to the principles that he's taught me? When they were around dinner, they would be like, is the teacher eating? When they, they saw him interact with other people, are the principles that I am hearing behind closed doors the same principles that I am seeing lived out in public? So I could not leave you for just a moment because if I did discipleship like we do school today, after those eight hours or seven hours or six hours that I'm in school, the other hours of the day, you could be living all sorts of ways, not living according to your teachings, but I'm with you all the time because I need to know what you're teaching and how to live it. They left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. They were called to freedom. No, I, 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 and I, I need you to hear me because we're going to start talking about the process of what it means to be called to freedom. And I, I put this, I put the title to the text, Formation of Freedom, but I think I want to, I want to, uh, or freedom to be formed. But I think the reality of this text is there's a process to freedom. And I need you to hear me because we think that freedom is just an event that we go, that we go through. Because that's how it's always like, we're like, yes, I'm, I'm free. Like we, we think about that. I'm set free. Anybody heard that story of Paul and Silas in the New Testament, right? It's a, all, all churches love that because they love to hear that the earth shook and that the doors flew open. And yes, there was an earthquake in the midnight hour. And you know, and, and you go to the black churches, you know. No, come on, be honest, right? It's like, it's like late in the midnight hour, Jesus. You know, you, and it's like they can't, all of this stuff happened. It's like a, a powerful, massive event that took place, but we don't realize that Paul and Silas did not get free in that moment. Paul and Silas were already free internally. The jail simply had to respond to who they were in Christ on the inside. But when Jesus encounters these disciples, they're not fully free. They're focused on the things that are in front of them. They're focused on the earthly pursuits that they have. They're focused on their business. They're, they're still looking for the Messiah. And I don't want to get into all of the, the depth of it, but these Galileans, the, the history tells us and Hebrew historians tell us that these Galileans were, were more focused on finding the Messiah than the actual Pharisees were. We always wonder why Jesus chose these Galileans, these people who were supposedly uneducated. But the reality is that people from Galilee were more focused on finding the Messiah. They were the ones, they sat in a place, they were, they were ready for it, they were ripe for it because they weren't looking for the Messiah to fall into their guidelines. They were simply looking for the Messiah to save them. Furthermore, these Galileans sat around the, the, the Sea of Galilee. They sat at the the center point of cultures that were merging. I want y'all to hear me because if y'all never heard me before, hear me now. There's a reason that God calls you to a place of freedom. There is a reason that God has called you because you sit at the intersection of church culture and the culture of the world. And wherever you are, you are better equipped to reach the people that you are equipped to reach than I am. 
I sit in a different place, but God has positioned you in a better place. No wonder he called them. No wonder he called the disciples and said, I need you to come. I got to get y'all free first because if I could get you out, if I could get you out, I can get them out. There's a process. First thing God does, and I love this because this picture is literally what they do. Jesus says, follow me. They left everything and followed them. And I want you all to hear, I'm starting with step number two. And I'm going to give you the reason in a minute, but I'm, I'm going to start with step number two on this process. Because we tend to start with step number one on this whole process of being formed and, and, and freedom and walking at this out. And when we start with step one, people sort of get disillusioned when they hit step two. But I want to start with step two because I need you to know what this life is going to be about for you. And step two is separation. Even in this text, I need you to understand the disciples that, that, that Simon, Peter, and James, and John, they were all sitting on the shore cleaning their nets because they had already been out in the deep and nothing had worked for them. They had been working and working and nothing took place. And Jesus comes and steps into the boat and he says, do me a favor. Could you just push out just a little bit from the shore? Take your boat off of the sand just a little bit. I, I, know, I know that the shore is safe for you. There, there's, there's regular ground here. I know that you wouldn't normally spend your whole night and day and, out and, and weeks and months and years on the ocean, but I need you to do me a favor right now. Separate yourself from the shore because I have something to do. Even in this text, it begins with separation. Because the reality is separation is a way of life for the believer. It's echoed throughout the text. Genesis chapter 1. I love this because I, I, I could probably for the rest of my life preach in the first three chapters of Genesis for the rest of my life and I could pull so much truth from it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm dead serious. I could preach. The first three verses, I give you three messages off the bat. My fellow theologian, Pastor Ruben in the back, you know what I'm talking about. It's funny. We love this, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. It was empty, right? It was void. There was chaos. The Bible says that darkness covered the face and, and the spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And the Bible says this. Then God said, let there be. Come on now. Let there be. And there was light. Do you know what God did after he created light? The Bible says that God separated the light from the dark. Day one, the first thing God does is God says, I've got to separate the dark from the light. Because if I don't separate it, it'll all be mixed together. No, no, no. But I need you to understand, when I put the light in the place, there's going to be light. There's going to be a place where there is no light. Because darkness is simply the absence of light. Let me tell you this. Spiritual darkness is the absence of Christ. No, look it up. Scientific fact. Physical darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is not a thing. It is just the absence of light. Spiritual darkness is the absence of Christ. Don't think it's dark just because people are out there sinning. No, no, no. They're dark because the knowledge of Christ isn't in that place. No wonder the Bible says that you are the light of the world. I told you. I, I, I told y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Let there be light. He separates first day. Day two, the Bible says that God separates the waters above from the waters below. There's another day of separation. Day three, the Bible says that God, God declares, he tells the water that's below to pull back and reveal the land. God separates the land from the water. That's day three. 
On day number four, the Bible says that God put the stars and the sun and all of those things in the heavens. Why? To separate the seasons. The first four days of creation, God is separating. Why? Because in your life as a believer, you will experience so much separation in the first part of your spiritual journey. You will probably experience separation the entirety of your spiritual journey because there were things that have attached themselves to you or things that you have attached yourself to that God says this will not be beneficial for you in the next stage of your life. So I've got to separate you from that which you think is necessary. Yes, you may think the shore is good for you. Yes, you went out there last night and did everything that you were supposed that you thought you were supposed to do. But because it didn't work, you came back to the place of safety and Jesus says, "But here's the difference. When you went out last night, I wasn't in your boat, but now I'm going out with you. Put off a little bit from the land. Separate yourself from everything that is familiar because I'm here." Separation. Crazy part about how God does separation, about how Jesus does separation, it really, the reality is, he doesn't, you don't even know what's happening. Some of y'all are like, what would you mean? What you, what? Right now, by show of hands, how many of you have had friends that you hung out with for years and, and just out of nowhere, y'all just sort of, just, we just grew apart. No, come on, we just grew apart. Now, think about those friends. Were they a good influence on your life or not so much? Right? Like all of a sudden, little things. And sometimes, sometimes it's not even like they're a bad influence. The problem is that those people have their own track in life. And if you stayed with those people on their track in life, where God is taking you, y'all wouldn't connect. So you know what we do? We start trying to cling or run back to people that God has separated us from. And what we find is that we're running. We're like, man, I wish I was further along in life. And God's like, you know those people you keep hanging out with? I took them out of your life four years ago. But you ran back three years ago. See, the, 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 the matter of fact, here's how crazy this is. Because Peter leaves, Peter is a part of, he leaves fishing. Do you know Peter only went back fishing one time? You know when he went back? He went back fishing after Jesus Christ had died. Because he thought everything was over. He had denied Jesus three times. He thought he had failed everything. He heard that Jesus had resurrected, but he was like, you know what? I don't know if I'm really cut out for this. <clears throat> so he looked at his own inadequacy and he went back to who he used to be before he met Christ. Some of us in this room don't understand God is bringing separation in our space because there's stuff we don't need to be attached to anymore. It will not be beneficial to us in the next life. And at the same time, God needs you to understand he is forming you through this process. Those people can't be in your ear no more. Because the stuff they're telling you is not going to help you with step three. Step three is education. This is, this is all about this process of because I need you to understand. You will get to a place, and God's going to be like, follow me. You'll be like, yes, I'm, I'm ready, God. And we love that. We get ready. Yes, I'm ready. Yes. We understand. God's going to separate you from stuff you thought was cool. And now starts education. But here's the thing about education. Because we like education when education feels good, right? Something I didn't know before, now I know. But it's different when you've already been educated and you've got to get re-educated. Anybody ever heard of the Beatitudes? Right? Spanish, los bienaventurados. I think I said that right. 
blessed are those, blessed are those. We, we, like those are major in, in church theology, like in church liturgy. Like when you go to different, at, across denominations, doesn't matter. Those are major in church. Do you understand where that took place? The Bible says, and Jesus took his disciples and went up on a mountain and he sat down and he taught them. That was the first 14 verses. You know what happened after that verse? Jesus began to talk like this. You have heard this, but I tell you this. You have heard this, but I tell you this. We love education until education challenges us to give up something that we once thought was true. Because this is the reality. I'm free. And God's like, yes, you are. And I need you to forget thinking like that. Because the way you were thinking before, that ain't how things go. Wait a minute, God. What you talking about? Like, I, I, was, I was good with that. God's like, yeah, I know you were good with that. And for the season that you were in, it was good. And when you were over there shackled to all of that stuff, yeah, it was great. But now that you're actually free, I need you to start thinking different. I'm not going to, I was going to, I'm, don't, don't, you, you know what, you got to, you got to talk to your people, because when they start doing that, right, they start giving me licenses, then I'm up here and I say stuff, and people are like, oh, I'll never, never go to his church, you know, like, I don't, <clears throat> like, we, we, we get to this place, and we, we think a certain way about certain things, or, 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 we, especially when, it, I'm like, all right, all right, especially when it comes to dating, like, oh, I like to have that type of guy. Oh, I like to have that type of girl. And God is like, listen, do you, you, I need you to understand who I've called you to be and the person that you want. Who you are now, that person that you want, yeah, that fits you. But now that you're free, the person who I've called you to be, they don't fit you. No, listen, I'm, I'm going to use me as an example, my beautiful, lovely wife. Because she, all right, so she does this. She be preaching about me. And um, she be telling how I don't like to take out the garbage. I do take out the garbage. Let me just clear this up, okay? But let me tell you, when I first met my wife, one of the things that I, because I, I, I loved, I knew that I knew a lot about the word. I studied the word a lot, and I, I'm very passionate about digging deep into scripture. And so one of the things that I absolutely love, I love teaching people. I'm, I'm, I, it's just a joy to see people learn stuff that they've never learned before. So I was like, you know what? If I get a, like, if I get a wife, I really want a wife that I could like teach and just, you know, and I'm not realizing, like, I just wanted her to be in awe of me. Like, wow, you're so cool. Right? Right? No, that's what I, I'm like, hey, man, I want to be, yeah, listen, it's something about, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. There's something about being Superman for me, okay? Like, I'm. Five love languages people in here? I'm words of affirmation all day. I'm not words of affirmation. For, that's right. If she tell me, honey, you got the S on your chest today, I'm like, that's right, I do. Let's go. Right? Like, that's me. Like, I love that. Right? And I love this. And I remember I was like, man, I want, I want a, a wife that I could, like, teach. And I, could, and I love that. And then I met Pastor Almarie. Excuse me. She was Almarie at the time. And I met Almarie. And, man, I... I tried to find ways to teach her. I still remember one time we had an argument over something in the car, and it was like one of those biblical arguments, and I've never, ever, I had, boy, I had scriptures lined up. I had like six or seven verses. Do you know she quoted me down? She had seven or eight scriptures and quoted me back. I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, what is happening? 
I don't know what this is, but I'm turned on by it too. <laughs> right? No, it's true because I was, I was being challenged because what I thought I needed in my life was a woman that I could shape and mold when really what I needed was a woman that could walk with me in what God has called me to do. I needed a woman, here's why, I needed a woman who understood the word of God because when you are a prophet, like my wife is a verified, bona fide prophet, when you are a prophet, you need to understand what God's word sounds like. And if you don't understand what God's word sounds like, somebody else's voice could sneak in. You could say it's prophecy, and now you are a non-prophet. And God forbid I'm walking around with a wife who is prophesying to folks. I would not have it. But I got to listen to me. I got a wife who studies the word. I got a wife who challenges me every day when it comes to I'm like, babe, I think about this. She's like, well, what about this, 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 this and this scripture? And I'm like, I, I love you so much. Because sometimes education will challenge everything I've thought. And I love this. Jesus says this in, in, in the book of uh, John chapter 10, right? When he had brought out his own, he's speaking about the shepherd with the sheep. When he had brought out his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus spent so much time educating his disciples. Why? So that they would know what his voice sounds like. And they would know when somebody came up speaking a word that sounded good because it was like a little sound bite like you got a quotable bro but that ain't scripture bro they would be like sounds good but it don't sound like God sorry not following you and so there's this process of education because there's a process that you go through. You need to leave behind old mindsets, old thoughts. You need to leave behind old way of doing things. If God has called you to be an entrepreneur, you need to leave behind your old understanding. You don't do nine to five as an entrepreneur. It don't work like that. When it comes to building wealth, like you got to understand there's stuff that we don't know about wealth. I'm in this season of my life. I'm really learning and understanding. There's stuff that we don't know about wealth and building wealth and growing wealth that a lot of people, that a few people, excuse me, that 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, 5% of the world know. And they're the ones that are making all of this wealth. And we're sitting down here working these regular jobs. Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because we want all of these resources to push the gospel through the kingdom, but we don't understand how to manage wealth. So we sit back, we play the lottery, we hope that we hit the Powerball, the 1.5 billion, and God knows that if he gave you that 1.5 billion, it'd be gone in three years, because you put a roller coaster in your backyard. <laughs> somebody actually, that's one of the things somebody actually did, that's, that's out there, you can look that, they bought a roller coaster with their, their winnings. Why? But when, as we, as kingdom people, we understand that the resources move the gospel, so it is my job to understand money management and how to do it, how to pass it on to my future generations, because the Bible also says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So I'm not just working for my kids. I'm working for my kids' kids. And if I'm like Abraham, I'm working for my generations all the way down the line. But I've got to hear the voice. I've got to throw away old mindsets and get focused on the mindset that God has called me to have. Freedom requires me to give up stuff that I used to think about, the, the ways that I used to think, and move in the way. Listen, I have to do it. If I don't lay down my old mindset, the mind of Christ will never take over. 
Step four, this is the one that people really don't like, crucifixion. This is hard. We, we, again, with our Western mindset, we really don't understand this picture of crucifixion. Because we see the cross and we think church. We see they put, we put the cross on top of of, of the tops of churches on the steeple. We put them on the doors. We, we put them, people put them on their cars. We love crosses. We do the little fish and inside we put a cross. People get cross tattoos. Do you understand before Jesus died on it and rose from the dead and Christianity began to spread, do you understand that a cross was a sign of death? We love this verse. Look at this. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and he said to all of them, this is he speaking to the multitudes now. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let me be clear. This is Old Testament. I know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are this side of the New Testament because it shows that transition. But this is prior to the, de the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is prior to his blood being poured out. So these, this is Jesus speaking to Old Testament people who did not understand the freedom of the cross. So when he said, take up your cross daily, they thought they're looking at, there are people hanging on those crosses, brother. Brother Jesus, like, like what are you telling us? Wait a minute. Are you saying every single day I've got to carry something? Because here's what they did. They made you carry your own cross knowing that you were going to be tied to it. Knowing that whatever you carried, you were going to die on. See, now we're like, you know, uh, uh. Let's go to the, you know, the old hymns. I can't even do that here because y'all don't know those old hymns. The old rugged cross, right? Like, we're like, let's go to the cross. Let's go to the cross. There's a song, and even in Hill songs, it's, it's a, at the cross, I bow my knee. Like, we get so excited. At the cross. Yes, Jesus, at the cross. And those people would be like, bro, are you nuts? The cross is where you bleed out and you stop existing. Like, you take your last breath at the cross. But the reality is that there are some things in your life that need to die. And I love how Jesus puts it because Jesus is like, this is every day. There's stuff that's got to die every day. This is freedom, folks. This is, this is what I'm talking about. Like we, we're like, yes, I want freedom. I want to be free, God. Then there's stuff that's going to have to die from you every single day. You're going to wake up in the morning and be like, good morning, Jesus. And he's going to be like, uh-huh, I need you to kill that today. <clears throat> well, all right, I love you too, Lord. I mean, really, we right down to business, huh? Because there's stuff he's calling us to put behind. There's stuff, thing, stuff that he's calling us to let go of. There's stuff that we do that he's calling us to put off. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, right? It, it tells us, uh, little, excuse me, let me, let me do this. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us. Watch this. Looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Because the reality is I wouldn't want to be nailed to something and lose my life. There's stuff that I just, I'm like, hey, you know, I really don't want to give that up. That's not really a bad thing. 
And God's like, yeah, but where you're going, and I need y'all to hear me, because Jesus tells them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I love the King James because it hits it. I'm going to make you fishers of men. If you follow me, I'm going to make you. If you follow me, I'm going to make you. If you follow me, I'm going to make you into the husband that your wife needs. If you follow me, I'm going to make you into the wife that your husband needs. If you follow me, I'm going to make you into the coworker that your job needs to produce success for their business so that they can see the excellence. Because the Bible said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven i'm going to make you into the father that you need to be for your children the mother that you need to be for your children that your generations would have an example of what it means to be a godly man and woman who walk upright who stand up in the kingdom who walk in kingdom principles and who are not shaken by every wind that the world has to talk to them i'm going to make you and if i've got to make you there's some things that are going to die. When Jesus walked this earth, he was the king of the Jews. Bloodline, verified. King of the Jews. So much so that Herod tried to kill him when he was born. But he could not become the king of all kings until he was put on that cross and poured out his blood. So he carries the cross knowing that on the other side of the cross, there is a joy. There is something that I am looking for, something that I am seeking, something that is going to happen. I've got to allow myself to be crucified because on the other side of it, there's joy. What are we willing to lay aside in order to become who Christ has called us to become? I need you to ask yourself this question. I need you to ask yourself this. What am I willing to lay aside? What can I put down? Because we love the walk. We love the yes, Jesus. We love to come and we love to praise because it feels good. But when we get challenged to put down stuff that he's been telling us to put down, in the prayer closet, he's been telling us to put stuff down. Do you understand what Gethsemane means? The Bible says that Jesus frequented the place of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive press, crushing place. You don't get olives until they are crushed. You don't get olive oil until they are crushed. You don't get wine until the grapes are crushed. And I need you to understand, Jesus frequented that place. So much so that when Judas was going to betray them, and they said, Judas, where's the best place for us to pull up with the white van to get Jesus? <laughs> Judas was like, I don't know the place that we are at the most often that I could tell you he's for sure going to be is the prayer meeting. You know what it is to kidnap somebody when they're coming out of prayer? You pray a lot if your kidnapping spot is the prayer meeting. Bruh, every Tuesday at 7, like clockwork, they in there for hours. They lay. Don't worry. Just hang out. Between 10 and 1030, they're coming out. Guaranteed. Jesus was consistently crushed. No wonder when the final night of his life came and they stood there and Jesus literally was like, you can't pray. He went up. No wonder it was so easy for him to say, not my will, but your will be done. Because he had been there before. What are you willing to lay aside? 
Because it's not just, oh, I got to give this up just because I need to be a better Christian. No, don't think that. This is, that's, that's rudimentary. That's, 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 that's kids' Bible school. That's children's church. That's what that is. No. What do you got to give up to become who Christ has called you to be? Because rest assured, you got purpose. And if you got purpose, that means there is something that you are called to become. There is something you are called to do. There is a place of influence that you have called to touch. There are people who need you. Parents in the house, parents, raise your hands. Yes, I'm going to say this because I'm a parent. Your children, look, my, my child running up. I'm sorry, buddy. I love you. Listen, your children need you. Y'all, you don't, I don't think you understand how important it is for your children to see the example of what it means to be godly. Your children need you. Your next generation needs you. Fathers, I'll say this and I promise I'm moving on. They've done statistics and I've been studying a lot of this stuff and, and I don't remember the exact figure, but especially in, in black and brown communities, because many of those fathers have been incarcerated, they have spoken about a lot of those men that are incarcerated come from homes without fathers. Do you understand the value of a father in the home? Especially, and I'm just, I'm just especially a father of color. To be present. Your children need you. What are you willing to lay aside? Moving on. Step five, and this is important. Because after you've gone through the separation, after you've gone through the education, after you've dealt with crucifying things that you know you have to give up, reformation. This is where all of that stuff that you went through starts to produce the freedom. True freedom, walking in what you, what you spiritually have already been given, now you're physically beginning to see the fruit of it. Because the you that attained the first gift of freedom is not enough to walk in the fullness of that freedom. So God has to strip away things from you and peel things off of you. He has to change your mindset. He has to separate you from stuff that you thought was important. He has to get you to nail to the cross things that are not beneficial to your future. He needs you to lay some stuff down till you step into this area of reformation. I love this part. Because <clears throat> when you start to see reformation, it shows. Look at this. This is Matthew. This is, G this is Peter. Now Peter was uh, sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you were also with Jesus, the Galilean, but he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. He said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath, saying, I do not know the man. Watch this one, though. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them. Your accent betrays you. This is what it says in, in I think that's the ESV. I love this because if you go to the King James Version, it says, certainly you are one of them. You talk just like them. See, you got to understand something. I, I, I love some of that old tech because saying like, oh, your accent betrays you. Listen, it, it wouldn't be it, like there's a lot of Galileans. Like it's not like, oh, this person's from Galilee. Okay, yeah, he must have been with Jesus. That doesn't mean that. You could just be from Galilee, right? Jesus walked with 12 disciples, 12 core disciples. So when they heard him talking, he must have sounded exactly like Jesus spoke. Like the way you put your sentences together, you sound like Jesus. The way, even the way you're denying him sounds like Jesus. Like you don't got regular denials, bro. You sound like, you sound like a Christian denying. 
Some of y'all think, oh, well, you know, I'm just not going to go to church. I'm going to hang out because, you know, I got. Let me tell you something. Your faith betrays you all day, every day. Went to Guitar Center. This was like two years ago. I went to Guitar Center, and there was a guy in Guitar Center in New Jersey. And, and I'm, I walk in, and <clears throat> he's, you know, doing his thing. He's got tattoos, Hispanic guy, and he's having a conversation with somebody. And you can tell the two guys are pastors that are there talking to him. They're all suited up, right? It's like the middle of summer, and they got full suits, ties, and stuff. I'm like, guys, come on, man. Y'all are walking around dressed up. <clears throat> and literally, they're having this conversation with him just about music. And he's, talk, he's like, yes. And as I'm listening to him talk about music, Right? And he's like, yeah, so when you play this, you could play this chord and that chord. And instantly I'm like, nah, this dude's from church. Them church chords. I know that. Them church chords all day. <laughs> and one of the guys was just like, hey, man, you know, I, I think um, uh, you, should, you should come to our church. Come visit me. You got a lot of knowledge. Do you play? He's like, yeah, I used to play back in this church. I was in church for 20 years and I played. This guy starts to run down like church. And he was deep in church. He started like preaching. This you could, and I'm like, dude, you could tell you tried to run from the faith. But even then, even in Guitar Center, where you think, oh, it's just a bunch of musicians that come in, the church them found you, bro. Go to church with these guys because they're, I mean, please, like, let's go. You cannot hide from the call that God has on your life. You could try all you want. Your speech will betray you. How you talk, people gonna know, nah, bro. You church, you churched up. Yep. They hit you in the club, and they're like, bro, you get out of here. Don't do that. You even dance like you in church. What is, what are you doing this for? <laughs> right? No, let's be real. Because when you are reformed by Christ, when he really starts to change your life, it is all over you. Your family will see it. Everyone is going to see it. You could try to run. You could try to hide. You could try to say, I'm never going to church again. You could even try to run to another faith. You could try to swear that God ain't real. When you open your mouth and talk, people are going to be like, bro, you are churched, man. You belong to Jesus. Stop playing because you've been reformed. And I need you to hear me. Reformation, when it gets all over you, it is the greatest thing you'll ever know. Because you will be so you are moving step by step into what God has called you to become. And I need you to hear me because these are not things. It's not like a process that you're going to go through. You will always be going through separation your entire life because there are things that you will pick up in one season that God's like, okay, that's enough. You don't need that for the next season. He's going to separate you from that. There's education that you're going to need. Yeah, you thought this about the word one way, and, and that's fine. It, it was enough to get you to one season, but I need you to think about this a different way. I'm going to show you a different angle in Scripture. Yeah, you, this, I allowed this to live in your life for some time, but I'm going to crucify that now. I need that to die now. You used to talk like this, but you're going to stop talking like this now. And it's all about being shaped so that all of a sudden you become more and more free, more and more free. You begin to lay those things aside. And I want y'all to consider tonight, what are the things that you need to lay aside? What are the things that you need to put down? What are the thoughts that you need to stop thinking? What are the ideologies? What are the, what are the mindsets that you have that God is calling you to leave behind? The Bible says that Israel left Egypt ready for war. I need you to hear me. The Bible says that Israel left Egypt. Exodus chapter 13 verse 18 says they left Egypt ready for war. 
But in verse 17, it says that God did not take them a shorter route because they knew they would face war and go back to Israel. It's weird. They were ready for war, but God didn't let them face war because although they looked like they were ready for war on the outside, they still had the mindset of slavery on the inside. Because you could be externally free, but internally bound. We're going to pray tonight. Because I refuse to leave this place without giving you an opportunity to lay aside your internal bounds, shackles. I refuse. In this world that is here today, you are needed. There's a reason you are walking the face of this earth. There is a reason. There is a reason. I don't care who told you you had no value. There's a reason. I don't care who told you you don't matter. There is a reason for your existence. You draw breath, you've got work to do. The king has need of you. I curse every false word that was spoken over your life that told you you were not enough. I know we started with step two, and I did that for a reason, because step one is the invitation. It starts with an invitation. And what churches will do, they'll hit you with the invitation. They'll preach a message get you high and happy about following Jesus and it'll make you think that it's going to be a Disneyland when you step into this faith. And I'm telling you, it is a beautiful thing to follow Christ. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It is one of the most incredible experiences that you can have to follow Christ. It is the most fulfilling and rewarding position that you can be in because being in Christ is the best place for you to be. But it's not easy. See, when you get that invitation like Jesus gave the disciples, was like, follow me. You know what? The first thing they had to do was get separated. One of the disciples said, hey, let me bury my father. You know what Jesus said? Let the dead bury their dead. Let's go. Jesus wasn't disrespecting the man and his father, but Jesus was simply saying, I've got a very short amount of time to pour out what I need to pour out. I know you've got that stuff will be there for another day. I need you now. And sometimes when we get the invitation, we do our, yes, but, no, 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 yes, but. This is a straight yes. But I want you to know what you're getting into. I want you to know that there's going to be stuff you're going to get separated from. You're going to lose some friends. Yeah, absolutely. Your family might be like, are you crazy? Absolutely. You're going to start to think different. You know why? Because you're going to start to educate yourself. The scripture is going to be different to you. You're not going to think like everybody that's around you. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to create more separation. Oh, come on. Yeah? And you're going to start, start killing some stuff. Stuff that you used to do that you thought was real cool, you're going to stop. You're going to stop binging Netflix on the weekend. Because you're like, I got better things to do than just sit here and binge these shows. Not coming at that. I like to do that sometimes. Don't give me. But, but I'm, I'm, saying that, I'm saying that there are some things that you are going to start to give up. And you know what? It's all going to work together to produce reformation in your life. But it starts with the invitation. And I want to give that invitation tonight. And I hope, please, it, it, just hear my heart. I, this, 
there is a call here. We are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Literally, Pastor Rose said it, born to die. Do you understand what that means to know from the day that you are born, the only reason that you are here is to give your life to save everyone else around you. And to know that most likely it'll be those very same people who take your life because they just don't understand. If I could say this and I'm going to make the invitation, please don't expect people to understand your acceptance of this invitation today. Don't think everybody around you is going to understand you. There's going to be some people that try to crucify you too because you're real different. Oh, you're different, different. Oh, you acting brand new. You think you're better than us? No, I don't think I'm better than you. I've just found a different way. Here's the invitation. Follow Christ and he will make you. It's simple. Pastor, why is that the invitation? It's not a crazy, come, I'm not going to plead with you. It is this understanding. The you today is not full and completed. The you today is not prepared for what you have coming up against you tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade, or however long the Lord sees fit to allow you draw breath. The you today is not enough. Crazy part about this, the invitation that Jesus gives comes after he takes them away from the shore and into the deep. Some of you already have been feeling that separation take place. Before you even accepted the invitation for the next level, some of you have already been feeling the discomfort of separation. Some of you have already been feeling the uncertainty, the anxiety of, I, I don't know, I, I just, where I used to be, I can't stay there anymore, but I don't know, I don't know if I really want to go. I'm feeling this drawing. Some of you have already been feeling that pull. That's Jesus. Here's the invitation. Follow Jesus and he will make you. If you commit, Lord, I want to be reformed by you. I understand the risks. I understand I'm going to be separated from some things. I understand I'm going to be re-educated about some things. I understand that I'm going to have to crucify some stuff, but I want to be reformed. If that's you, this altar is open. I want you to come up now. Because we're going to pray. And this isn't just about accepting Jesus Christ, because that's one level. If you don't know Jesus Christ in this room, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, if you've said, I, I don't follow Jesus right now, I didn't really believe, if you're kind of like, hey, I just need, then come up to the front. We're going to pray for salvation. Salvation is the beginning. We're bringing that. Never accepted Jesus Christ before. Come up. The altar is yours. We're going to pray today. Thank you. But if you've also said, Lord, I've been stagnant. I felt like I've, I've been stagnant in my walk. I haven't gone further than this. I've stopped. But I, I, I need to feel the call again. I need to launch out into the deep again. If that's you, if you believe, God, I know there's another level. I haven't been submissive to the things that you've wanted to do in my life. I haven't submitted to the separation. I haven't submitted, I've been, I, I haven't submitted to the, the education. I haven't been putting in my mind the things I need to. I, I haven't submitted to crucifying my flesh or crucifying the thing. If that's you, altar's yours. Come up, we're going to pray. Because I believe in a God who draws us deeper. 
I believe in a God who prefers the depth of the sea than the safety of the shore. And some of you have been living your lives so safe and God is calling you to a place of, de of the depth of the, the, the ocean. He's calling you to a place. God, it's uncertain. God, I don't know if I can handle it out there. Trust and believe I got you. But God, I don't know. There's storms out on that place. It's, it's crazy out there. Trust me, I got you. God, if I've called you out to that place, I will sustain you in that place. Ten more seconds. If you're like, God, I want to go deeper. Come up to the front. We're praying for shackles to be broken. We are praying for the hold of the enemy to be ripped off of you. We are praying for old mindsets to be broken. We are praying for the freedom of Christ to reign in your life. We are praying for the purpose of God to be exposed to you. Once you get exposed to what God has for you, you'll never be the same again. receive the call of ministry. There are called to be pastors in this room and you've run from the call. I don't know who you are. I believe I feel that in my spirit. I'm nervous because I don't usually do this, but if that's you, if you're like, I've been running from the call, then I want you to come up. We're going to pray. And this is not like we're looking at you any type of way. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But there is a call to the pastorate. And if you've been running from it, today is the day we get back on track. The call is high and holy. Jesus said, the way up in the kingdom is the way down. Whoever wants to be greatest among you must become least. And some people have made it look like pastoring is this beautiful, glamorous job. But you know the ugly side of it. And so you've run from it because you're like, I don't want the ugly, I don't want the ugly side of it. I don't want that stuff. But God says, it is not about that. It is about the heart that you have to serve people. God says, I take care of everything else. And the calling that God has on your life is so, so powerful. You don't know it. But it begins with yes. God's going to start to remove people out of your life that have been speaking in your ear. And God is going to begin to shift you and put you around people that are going to speak the right way. And you know it instantly because like I said, people who are of kingdom got a certain speak. They got a certain talk and you're going to know. And as they speak, it will, it, in here, you'll feel it in here. You'll be like, I've never, I've never wanted this before. But when I hear them speak, I, I, I want to go do it. Not like I want the, I want the yes, I want all of the past, I want all the accolades. I want Michael Todd and T.D. Jakes. No, it's like, I, I, I just, I want to be obedient. I want to do what God is telling me. I want to see people serve, transform. I want to give people what they need. That's your heart. God is going to shift you and put you around those people. 
We're going to pray. Come on, right now, right now. Freedom is breaking in this place right now.